The Issue Between Idealism and Immediate Empiricism by Charles M. Bakewell This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Issue Between Idealism and Immediate Empiricism by Charles M. Bakewell there are i am sure many students of philosophy who are in sympathy with much that the newer movement is accomplishing and in particular with its insistence upon greater respect for experience greater sobriety of philosophical construction greater freedom of play for the individual a fuller recognition of the thoroughgoing primacy of the practical who are in sympathy with its humanism and anti-absolutism not to speak of the life that it is injecting into the dry veins of epistemology, and yet who find themselves unable to follow its radicalism in a good portion of what it denies, or to accept its definition of what is left. Now it seems quite evident that we would come to a better mutual understanding if we should stop long enough over our fundamental conceptions and postulates and points of departure to clear away all initial ambiguities. It was with this end in view that I addressed my letter to Professor Dewey. Footnote. An open letter to Professor Dewey concerning immediate empiricism. This journal, volume 2, number 19. End footnote. His reply. Footnote. Immediate empiricism. This journal, volume 2, number 22. End footnote. Seems to me to preserve the ambiguities of his first statement. Footnote, the Postulate of Immediate Empiricism. This journal, Volume 2, Number 1. End footnote. And to further confuse the issue. Footnote. As an illustration of the ambiguity referred to, take the following. I do not understand the notion that because things of immediate experience are real, mediation cannot be real. Page 599. I do not either and i wonder who does but if one first identifies reality the things of immediate experience with the immediate experience as the immediatist explicitly does see professor dewey's original article then it is hard to see how in that sense mediation can be real and still be mediation End footnote. it is with the purpose of sharpening the issue between idealism and immediate empiricism that I continue the discussion. The very term immediatism, which Professor Dewey suggests to describe the newer philosophy, promises to bring into relief the precise issue created by the radicals. And if we are to make any progress in our discussion, the issue should not be obscured by irrelevant cross-firing. We can at least be clear at the outset as to what the issue is not. It is certainly not an issue between immediatism and the sort of a thing reached by Professor Dewey's entertaining parable of the botanist. Such comments only divert attention from the point in dispute by firing at a man of straw. At least, in my reading of philosophy, I am unable to find any idealist who can fairly be charged with anything like the attempt to spin a botany out of concepts, although it must be admitted every one, philosopher and scientist alike, is more or less chargeable with the human frailty of giving his well-grounded conceptions a larger scope than their actual grounding warrants. And, once for all, the immediatist should recognize the fact 
that the idealist does not hold that there is a world of pure delight where categories immortal reign far aloof from the world of experience. They live in experience and give it its meaning. And one cannot evade the idealist criticisms by tossing the critic up into the cold circumambient ether. The antithesis is not between a philosophy grounded in experience and a philosophy manufactured in a den of abstractions. For the idealist also holds that his philosophy is grounded in experience. From experience it starts, to experience it ever returns. But the difference comes out in the interpretation of the nature of experience. Experience is a treacherously ambiguous word. For the idealist, experience is always a complex of the immediately perceived and the immediately conceived, and that no matter how far one goes down the scale for his starting point. And therefore, immediatism of itself can supply neither starting point nor method. The very conception of immediatism as furnishing starting point and method seems therefore to draw sharply the lines of the issue. But unfortunately, the old ambiguity about experience forthwith creeps into Professor Dewey's account of immediatism. That conception seems to mean two very distinct things. One meaning seems formally in accord with radical empiricism, but deprives of meaning the quest after truth. The other restores the meaning of that quest, but only at the cost of abandoning the standpoint of radical empiricism. The question is, how strictly are we to interpret the word immediate? The illustration of the Zollner line seemed to leave no doubt as to the meaning intended. There, immediate experience is taken as the direct, unmediated here-and-now experience. When, further, the real thing in question is postulated as one with the immediate experience so taken, and the thing is regarded as precisely what it is immediately experienced as, then, in place of speaking of solving problems and correcting experience, would it not be a more accurate description of the situation to say, in the process of evolution, one immediate experience reality gives place to another immediate experience reality? Now, it does not at all fit the case to declare Johnsonian-wise, as Professor Dewey does, but there are real problems, and we do go to experience to solve them. Of course! But it is not true that the problem in each case is a real problem only because the real thing in question is viewed as not just what it is by me immediately experienced as. Footnote. Professor Dewey insists that from the postulate of immediatism not a single philosophical conclusion can be drawn, and accuses me of assuming from the very notion what the character of experience shall be. I have assumed nothing whatever about the character of experience, except that if immediatism is to give us a new method, we must be able to find our starting point in immediacy. Experience does not give us such a starting point. End footnote. But, at this juncture, and to make the postulate tally with the facts, does not Professor Dewey substitute another and quite different interpretation of immediate? It now appears that the immediate experience which shall be equivalent to the reality of the seed, for example, is what I at present immediately experience it as, plus all that I have or shall experience it as, all that I might experience it as were my power sharper, all that my fellow men experience or might experience it as, plus, furthermore, all its thought relations, all its linkages to other things, past and present, 
all the principles of such linkages. Over all these is thrown the blanket of immediacy. For we are informed that besides immediately experiencing the immediate, one immediately experiences mediation. One immediately experiences categories, concepts, continuity, and these things also really are just what they are immediately experienced as. And that further, the immediate experience, which shall be one with the reality of the thing experienced, includes the possible as well as the actual immediate experiences of these several kinds, seems clearly implied in the illustration given. For in the case of the seed, one certainly conceives of its continuity of development and its mediation with other experience as real beyond the actual immediate experience of any or all observers. But to call the object as conceived in its inmost structure and placed in its total setting the object as immediately experienced is a confusing use of terms. This shifting of the meaning of immediate is given plausibility by the fact that thoughts also, like things and immediate experiences, actual or imagined, are together warm in the unity of one's own experience. The ik dunka, however interpreted, is continuously present in all one's speculations. Concepts are not out in the cold. But when one identifies the reality of the thing with the immediate experience taken in this comprehensive and pregnant sense, is this not equivalent to saying that the real thing is the thing as it might be immediately experienced by a universal thinker or experiencer viewing all things totem simul after the manner of the Roycean absolute? This is not what immediate means when we refer to our own experience as immediate. For then the here and the now and the negative prefix are of the essence of the conception. And, taking immediacy in this enlarged and general sense, as noting that aspect of direct ownership, of personal appropriation, which is always found in concepts and principles of mediation, so far as these are given any definite meaning, quite as much as it is present in percepts, this is a fact fully taken into consideration by idealism, as well as the fact that conceptions enter into experience. What the idealist denies is that any single actual experience as existent or as known is immediate and simply immediate. Not that he denies immediacy, but that he affirms mediation to be equally fundamental. Nowhere in experience does he find sheer immediacy. Further, the principles of mediation cannot be analyzed into immediate experiences without losing their unique meaning. He cannot see any hope of success in the method of immediatism, since he can find no fact in experience of such a kind as facts must be if immediatism is ever to get a fair start. The facts of experience are, one and all, and from first to last, tainted with mediation. One calls upon the experienced philosopher to give us a method which recognizes this obvious fact. Otherwise, immediatism, as a method, seems as artificial, abstract, untrue to experience as any barren conceptualism that can be imagined. Footnote. The immediatist is fond of tautology. I don't see any way of experiencing the mediate, writes Professor Dewey, except that of immediately experiencing it as what it is. Having previously declared experience to mean immediate experience, this is idle declamation. The question is whether the principles of mediation, causality, for example, as we actually think them, and as we employ them in getting any definite experience, as well as in further defining and interpreting experience, can be adequately described wholly in terms of immediacy. End footnote. 
The question, in short, is, precisely what does immediate mean in the latest formulation of the new philosophy? How strictly is it taken? If taken strictly, how does immediatism escape the fate of Hume? If loosely taken, how does immediatism differ from idealism after all? What we need is the immediatist account of the categories, the a priori, the principle of mediation, by whatever name, in terms of immediacy strictly taken. End of The Issue Between Idealism and Immediate Empiricism by Charles M. Bakewell